for the brothers, the duck walk. You're listening to the Draft Center Podcast. Hello and welcome. This is the Draft Center Podcast back at it again. It's recording. We are recording on May 20th. Craig is in shorts. I wish I was also in shorts. Beautiful day outside. We're stuck in a dark booth, but that's okay because we get to talk prospects. So how, how are things with you? <laughs> yeah, there's always uh, a little bit of a bright, sunny day when you talk about uh, the prospects. And, you know, the draft is getting uh, a lot closer here. Yeah. And, you know, for the young guys, you know, they, they start out on the path and then you tell them, oh, yeah, the draft will be here before you know it. And, yeah, they got to play and everything. But then here it is, you know, the combine coming up and... And and then it's just the waiting. Then they'll do go to the draft and have all those uh, fun interviews with the final interviews, and then they just got to wait in eager anticipation. Do you have any any interview memories from from your days? I, I don't know if you saw. I think it's I forget his name, Daryl Morey. Maybe the he's the GM of the I think he's the GM of the Houston Rockets. Maybe mm-hmm. and he was tweeting some of his favorite. Uh, questions and or answers to questions at combines for, for last yeah, night you know it's so interesting like you know in, in my experiences uh in the nhl uh with uh minnesota dallas same organization and then calgary you know our, our interview process uh, uh i'm not going to say it was different but we went and spent time with uh with the families and the and the kids that we really thought we had a legitimate chance at, like you know. So, I mean, there was a it was an exercise in determining who who you thought fit into a certain range where you were picking, and that number usually got in somewhere around forty, maybe thirty five, forty players that we thought would really get us through, uh, you know, five rounds, maybe six, and and then we really relied on our area scouts to do the background work. Yeah. Uh, for, for later draft for later players considered for the draft, so we really felt going in that we had a really good grasp on, uh, you know, a player, the the background, the family, and 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 our whole intention was to more or less let the player know what we were, uh, what he could expect if we drafted him, mm-hmm. and just the expectation. Here's what here's what our plans are. Here's what we think. Where do you see yourself fitting? You know, more of a more of a back and forth. Instead of uh, an inquisition, we we felt that uh, if we had done our work over the course of time, that we had, you know, the things that we needed with respect to players, you know, personality, uh, you know, you can say uh, concerns. I I can't really ever think of a player we ever met that we had concerns about going in to meeting them. Right. You know, it was more or less. I mean, like. You know, how do you, how, like, you know, how do you feel? Like, I mean, I remember Jamie Lagenbrenner. I'll give you an example. Jamie Lagenbrenner was a very interesting case because he was a junior in Minnesota high school, and he was the best player in Minnesota State High School. Mm-hmm. And so he, he, he and an outstanding student. So now you're, you're thinking, okay, he's not going to go back to high school hockey. The USHL wasn't developed to that point now. And, you know, what was he going to do? Right. And, you know, his, his, his mother and father were... Uh, Dad was a middle school principal. His mother was an early education teacher. So, you know, you have this dynamic, and it was more about, you know, what are your thoughts? And and then we left that talking, thinking about maybe Major Junior would be something good for him. And right. and, 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 and we, we, we talked about it internally, and then we went back to him, and this is long before we had drafted him, and then, 
you know, is this something you would consider? And here's what you need to know. And uh, anyway, I mean, Peterborough drafted him. I don't know. I don't know what round, middle rounds or whatnot. And I mean, before the NHL draft. So, you know, everybody in the NHL knew he had been drafted. Mm -hmm. And then we drafted him in the second round, early in the second round. And, you know, that's where he, I remember going to Peterborough with him and and that whole process. But but it all was born out of knowing that he was a junior and it wasn't about after we had him. I mean, we'd been doing the work on it, and I, I guess we we felt that we had a a, a plan in place uh, for him if we did end up drafting him. So we did, but it, it was a very interesting dynamic yeah. because you know this is something that was very foreign to the Lagenbrunners from Cloquet, Minnesota. Right, right, very foreign. Right. So th- th- that was our philosophy. That was our approach. That we knew uh, that we had spent the the time. A uh, long time before that, and a, a lot of intensive work finding out about the player and everything like that to be satisfied that hey, listeners, use the term red flags. What year was that? That was nineteen ninety three. So he's Minnesota, and he ended up in the OHL. Would he still be in the OHL for, as a Minnesota? No, kid? he'd be a Western Hockey League oh, so player. That's now. interesting too. Eh? Yeah, yeah, it is. It is different now. <clears throat> um, so a couple of things. I just you, so Madano from Michigan ended up in Prince Albert. Right, yeah, Brunner from Minnesota so would, ended up. What was the rule then? The, the, you you could list a player. You could just list yeah, them. And, Didn't matter and, where. But well, the Western Hockey League listed players. The Quebec and the Ontario leagues drafted players. Right. Uh, would it be the case that the Western Hockey League could list a player that was drafted in the OHL yeah. and the kid could decide? Yes. Oh, there you go. Learning something new every day. This is why we do this, just yeah. for my edification. Yeah. Yeah. But another thing I want to pick up on, I think this is interesting for people to hear. What you said was you'd, you'd have a list of around 40 kids, and that would get you through five, or five maybe six well, rounds. Well, well we, I mean, as I a mean, working like sort of if as we're a picking guide. 20, if we're picking 20, yeah. we try to say, okay, who, who are legitimately the four, five, six guys that could be there when we pick. Right. And, 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 you know, you got to try to narrow it down and, yep. you know, go on from that go on from that point. And then you do the same thing in the second round. Then you do the same thing for the third round. So if that number, if you get the, like I said, you, you end up in the in the range of 35 to 40 names, yeah. you know, that's usually what we did. And, and they could be in Europe. Right. They could be anywhere. And we went. I mean, we went. That, that, was, that was what we did. We went into the cities, into the towns, into the homes, and spent time not just with the kids, but with the uh, uh, with the parents, and and also we would fly them in and have have them spend some time with us too. It wasn't there wasn't these uh, five minute lunches, right? There wasn't any. The, 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 this wasn't quick dating. And but this is for kids that are only going to go in the first second round, or you're going right through. You you no, do no we no we would. I, I mean I mean obviously it becomes uh, uh, labor intensive, yeah. and uh, we weren't afraid of the of the intensive part or the labor part. But you know, it becomes a little bit trickier right. More to, of a long to shot try is... to well to, to try to to try to go into the deeper parts of the draft. Yeah. So, but I mean, we, routinely we got through to the to the fifth, sometimes the sixth round with with our group of players, and yeah. we knew we couldn't get all the players, and, and we were very forthright with the players. We we never ever I've never been ever told a player that if you're there we'll draft them because we just told them we don't know we we, right. we, we wouldn't be meeting with you if we didn't like you. Yeah. We wouldn't be spending time with you if we didn't think that you were a player that could uh, help our organization. We did those evaluations on the ice, and you know, so we really emphasized that part of it. But we never, uh, never, ever, not once, ever promised a player. We said the only team that can promise a player that they're drafting them is a team picking first overall. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, some... and I'll tell you, I will tell you a story about the, the Jeff Friesen in his draft, which was the following year, uh, the 1994 draft. Uh, you know, there had been some comments made about his character early on in the year and you know i mean this was a 50 goal score and a really good player 
anyway, we got to the uh, we got near coming up to the draft, and there was all this talk that Jeff Friesen was going to fall. We were picking twenty that year, and so we said, "Geez, we better go start spending." You know, he 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 would not be he would not have been a player we would have gone and spent time with right. because I mean, our time was valuable, his time was valuable. Why are you going to go spend time on a player that uh, you don't have a chance to get? And we went, uh, so we we went right into. Regina and spent time trying to investigate Metal Lake uh, after the season's over. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, the, leading up to the like this was. Sorry, you already know you're picking 20. twenty. Oh yeah. Yeah. So we're we're coming up to the point of the draft, not to the point of the draft. We're coming up to the draft. It's a few weeks ahead of time. We're thinking, geez, we, we legitimately we we better be ready. And this is because you're hearing people oh, talking yeah, about oh, yeah. oh, characters yes. a problem. Yeah. yeah. All these, but they've been going on. But we're just come on, like right. Come right. On. Well, we we went in to Regina, went up to Metal Lake. Rick Wilson, our our assistant coach at the time, his wife Carol was from uh, Metal Lake. Mm. So we went. We could not corroborate one thing, not one thing. I mean, we spent a day and a half. We spent a day and a half, maybe even just about two days, just without everything. Not one thing could we corroborate, not right. one thing. And, you know, Jeff, I, I remember sitting down with Jeff, uh, and we and we talked with him, and it was one of those situations where, I don't know why, like, you know, <laughs> I, I, and, like, honestly, like, when I say, like, Zero. Yeah. There, there was zero. Like I mean, I I don't think he ever put his gum under the under the desk at school. Like I think he wrapped it up in paper. <laughs> he was a saint. And put, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was unbelievable. So where do these things come from? Is it is it some scout that's got it in for him for some reason? Or I mean, it, it, someone's got to start the rumor at some. I mean, well, somebody does, and uh, and 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 you know, my dear dear dearly departed friend Jerry Melnick. Uh, you know, he he was great. Long time with the Flyers, and you know somebody that I just loved dearly, and you know was a mentor in in a lot of ways. But I, I remember he he used to say, uh, you know, he goes when it comes to gossip and rumor and innuendo, he goes, "There's nobody in the planet, no club on the planet that has anything over NHL scouts." <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I think he just recognized that, and 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 yeah. you 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 got to decide, like you know, are you are you going to let your ears dictate? Uh, you know how you evaluate a player, or you're gonna let your eyes and your own work uh, determine uh, where a player fits on the, on your list and if, if he's desirable for your organization instead of uh, all the chatter that exists. And and you're right, but uh, again, a lot of it uh, emanates. For I, I can't comment uh, why it emanates, but it does emanate. And I don't know. I don't know. I, and, and then it spreads. That's the other thing. And and in today's world, I think it spreads even further. So he ended up being drafted eleventh overall by San Jose Sharks. So was it the shark the shark scouts who were spreading all the rumors? No, no, they no, to, no. <laughs> they no this wasn't. This was not a misleading thing. Right. It wasn't. It was not a misleading thing. It was a, somebody had made a comment early in the year, and it just it it it, it got uh, it got legs, and it just carried through. And and really, what it is, in my view, is uh, a lesson in. You better do your work, right? And you better not. I mean, these are these are young men with lots of talents, right? And they're going to come into your organization, and you're you, you you've evaluated them on the ice, and you you got to go and be satisfied, good or bad. Mm-hmm. And and again, I'm going to say this rarely, like rarely. I I can't think of ever meeting with somebody that was bad. Like I I right. can't. And m- maybe I'm just lucky, but I I never had that. I never had that in in all my years. So, but you know, people people do, and it, it, it's amazing today in the social media world how many how, how many things I hear, mm-hmm. and how many things get out there, and how many things that I think are just completely 
false. Not not partly false. Not exaggerated. Not exaggerated. Completely, one hundred percent false. Yeah. Um. So you go into a draft with basically two lists. I mean, you have to be aware of the possibility that guys that you okay, we're picking twenty. There's no way that X, Y, and Z are going to be there. So you 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 know the players. You're aware of them, but they're not on your short list because you just don't think they're right. Gonna be. So you got you have to have that other list so you know that just in case. Okay, somehow X got to us. You know, we we have to know how to value them, but. You have your short list, too, which says, this is the area we are. These are the guys we think we're going to have a shot at. This is how we like them. 1998. <clears throat> we, uh, we were, I don't know where we were picking. So late, we were picking late in the first round. And it was a draft with a whole lot of defensemen. And it was uh, Robin Regeer was in that draft. Martin Skula was in that draft. And the, 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 there was all this stretch. And we really liked Geary Fisher. So we had, uh, if I recall correctly, we had Yuri Fisher in our top 10 players. Okay. And we were picking late 20s, wherever wherever 98 was, we were picking late 20s. So, you know, a, a bunch of defensemen, had, had, you know, that we had that we had really liked, including Robin Regeer, Martin School. I'm trying to remember who else was in that group. I think Dimitri Kalinin uh, was in that group. They all went, like, within a, within a span of about five picks from, like, 16 to 20. Anyway... Yuri Fisher kept dropping. We had spent no time on Yuri Fisher. We had spent no time with Yuri Fisher. We we didn't think he was going to be there. We had him rated that high, and we're now we're starting to think, oh, Yuri Fisher is going to be there. And we really, we really spent time investigating these things, like a lot of time investigating these things. So uh, when we when when we started fall, we we start to now you feel that little bit of it wasn't panic. But it was that little bit of like uneasiness. Right. What do we do? We really like him. We think he's a really good player, but we haven't spent time. So now we just start spreading our tentacles and in within the uh, arena. I forget where the draft was in 1998, and we're now trying to ask some different people. I remember Charlie Henry was the manager, and owner of uh, the Hall Olympics. I went right to Charlie. I said, Charlie, like you know, is there something wrong with this? He right. goes, Not that I know of. He goes, You know. He's, right. Said okay, and and you have to go to your relationships and everything. And he was at he was in the arena. At oh, oh, you're, oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh yeah, but uh, you know you, you have to go to your your. Uh, but Charlie was in the arena too. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah okay. You have to go to your relationships and your trusty relationships and just ensure and yeah. and go from there. Anyway, so we're so, so we, we we're taking him if he gets there. We're taking him. Right. We're not even though we haven't spent the, any any measurable time with. We spent no time with him. Right. We're taking them. We're not worried. We're satisfied now. And then Detroit took them right in front of us. First pick, but one pick before you. Well, I don't know if it was one, but, but it was right in front of us. Right. But I remember talking to the Detroit guys. They were in the same boat. Right. They didn't think he would get there. And they, they, they had gotten, you know, to the same point. Like, what's wrong? Because right. like, you immediately start to think, what's wrong? Right. <laughs> well, there's nothing wrong. People evaluate it differently. But, you know, Yuri Fisher, as, as we well know, uh, had a really good career with the Detroit Red Wings. And I would dare say would still be having a really good yes. career if uh, – Cut if far too short. Yeah, yeah, it was cut far too short, and doing some really good work in the development program. But you know, those are some of the you know some of the things that happen in in the course of uh, preparing to, uh, to draft players. So then, back to the the Jeff Friesen story. Um, talking to uh, some guys this year who had uh, who, former teammates of Josh Hosang, and they say they they get when they're talking to scouts and in their conversations, they get more questions about Josh Hosang than they get as a teammate and a player. Than they do about themselves some nights. So I'm just curious, you know, to know about uh, when those quote unquote rumors are out there. I don't want to start making things up here, but you know, 
Josh is is a player who seems to be um, the most uh, what's the word for it? Um, scrutinized. Yeah, scrutinized, and and people are people are going to be high on him. People are going to be low on him, and and but he's, he's you know he's the same player, and he's been progressing it in 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 that. Well, let me say this. So we go back to the interview. I can't think of anything more unfair yeah. than asking uh, a player's teammates what they think of them. Right. Like to me, like you, like why would a teammate, you know, you, for, for, let me take a step back. Why would you ask a teammate? Why would you put a young man in that position yeah. to to have to answer a question? And like in 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 that sense, like sometimes you might ask a player, you know, who was the hardest player? Who was the hardest guy you played against this year? I heard Hayden Flurry talk about how hard it was to play against Leon Dreisaitl. Yes, that's a different question than saying, "Tell me about Josh Hosang," or "Tell me about Player A," and "Tell me about like is uh, is he selfish or mm-hmm. like totally to me." Completely unfair, yeah. and I I really believe and I and you're in those spots as a player. You're you're, you're seventeen, eighteen years old. You're you, you. This is your goal, your dream, and you you, you want to put your best foot forward for for the NHL personnel that are interviewing them. So really, how do you deal with that question? And and it's a question that I think is offsides. I really do. I think it's uh I think it's an automatic offsides face off all the way back in your own end. <laughs> Like that, no, I really do. I, I, I've no, I don't think it's fair. And I really think one of the biggest things that has to happen is you have to arm those players to be able to answer that question. Right. Well, listen, you know what? Hey, listen, Josh is a good teammate. He comes here. You know, he works hard. He really helps us win a lot of games. You know what? And I don't. And sometimes I'd like to hear a player say, "I don't think that's a fair question." Right. You know what? I, I, I can't. And and to put a young man on the spot. I do. I, I can't. I can't emphasize enough how offsides that is. Go and talk to the young man. If you have concerns or anything, go and talk to the young man. Go and talk to people that don't that, that aren't his teammates, because I just don't think that that's uh, that, that that is appropriate. Yeah. I and, and I think it puts a lot of people in 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 in, in a situation that uh, really you should know what the answer is going to be. For the record, the kid said he's a, he was a great teammate and a great, fantastic player. So, I mean, it's hopefully that if this yeah, kid has I, to answer enough of these questions, hopefully put all that stuff to well, bed. But, but again, though, it, it, it's not about what what his teammates would say. I wouldn't expect anything less. Okay, right. I really wouldn't. Yeah. Okay, and you know, but it, it's the questioner that yeah. should be questioned, right. not not the questionee. The Did, questioners should be questioned in this regard. You know, the NHL is talking about doing a uh, you know like uh, not talking about, but they put a new protocol in for testing after the combine that they can't test the players physically mm-hmm. or after the combine well like when maybe, they bring them into their city yeah, so, yeah. can't test them physically anymore yeah. after the combine right and you I, I think maybe they have to look at some of this but maybe that maybe that lay in the into the agent's hands to to tell their players hey listen you know what don't answer any questions about a teammate right you know that's offside i do so you you obviously would be doing as a scout interviews Throughout the year and before the combine, what's the goal the week of the combine when your team is has a, a hotel room and you got ten players you want to see or twenty or two that you want to see? I can't think of a bigger waste of time. <laughs> I know I, I you know I I can bite my lip and I can give the political answer. You're going to go spend fifteen minutes with a kid, twenty minutes with a kid, and you call that an interview? It's five minute dating. 
right? right? And you want to decide if you want to go on. Like, seriously, I, the kids are running around. They get tired by the end of the day. Teams are in there with, with multiple people, you know, talking to these players and everything. You know, I, I can tell you I, I never did it. Yeah. I, I would never do it. And I, I think it's ridiculous. So best best way to get you know what i think it is i think it's this whole big oh well blanket everything and oh yeah we interviewed him he didn't interview him there's no such thing as a 20 minute interview let's get that straight right now <clears throat> nothing nothing good to be gained from 20 well, minutes i'm not gonna kid. say i'm not gonna say there's nothing to be gained like i mean maybe, maybe I, I i'm not in there with every other team i never have been and right. nobody is so i can't comment and i'm just saying like d- d- call it a meet and greet right. like you know like serve some appetizers and let's have a big old meet and greet and let's call it what it is because it's not an interview, right? Best way to do that. I mean, can is you to imagine? Into... Like, can you imagine? Why doesn't Trevor Linden just invite uh, you know twenty candidates in to be the GM of the Vancouver Canucks, right? And he's going to meet with them for twenty minutes each, and then he's going to leave there and go, "Okay, here's my like." Really? Right. How ridiculous is it? Right. But still, value to be gained from meeting with the kid, going into the, to his home, meeting his parents, that kind of oh, thing. I, that's listen. We used to go and spend a day, day and a half. Right. We, we spent full days. Right. We didn't. We didn't. Like, yeah, you go in there and you and you get relaxed and you talk about things and you you get to talk about here. Here's what we think about you. Do, do you see it the same way? You know, what are some of the challenges that you've had over the course of this season? How did you feel last year when you were this? Like, how did how, how did you feel getting more opportunity? Okay, if we draft you how would you feel about listen you're going to come to training camp you're going to be there for seven days you're not going to play any exhibition games and you might have teammates that will play exhibition games how do you feel about that well geez well understand that that's what we believe in and here's why and we're going to work with you and everything and you're not just you're not just sitting there trying to get uh i think an interview is a two-way street I think an interview is you're giving information and taking back information so that if this relationship comes to uh, comes to be, that everybody has an understanding how you're going to deal with things, and the player understands that th- this is how I, uh, I'm going to I'm going to be helped to reach my goals, and these are the expectations that they have for me and how they're going to work with me. Because you, when you're drafting a player, what you're really setting up for is a long-term relationship, right. and that's why I think a 20-minute interview is just—it's a meet and greet. Right. It's not—you're not—you're not really getting it. And let me tell you this: like, okay, get there and you tell. But when you have eight, 12, 16, 20, the players don't remember who they met with. Yeah. They, oh yeah, I met with them. I met with this team. They don't—they don't have any, you know, at that time. Uh, during that time period of any real recollection of like, oh, well, that guy, yeah, I remember so-and-so, I remember so-and-so. They don't. They can't. Right. It's too much. It is too much. Yeah. Is it like a job interview when you go in and do it? I mean, it's it's like, or because it's it's weird to, like you say, for the, for these teams to meet with these kids and for the kids to, one of the, one of the it was the Houston Rockets GM uh, who, who uh, was tweeting his favorite answers to questions. And one of them, one of the questions was, what do you think of our team in Houston? And the kid said he didn't know any of the players on the team, which is funny to read, obviously, considering the position that these kids are in and, and where they where they think their future is going to be. But would that matter to you if a player had, had no idea anything about the Dallas Stars organization? No, not one bit. Not one bit. I mean, and I know where you're at. I know how you're asking with respect to the uh, uh, job interview because yeah. you, you, you expect somebody coming in for a job interview to know about your company. Exactly. Right? And, and, and I understand that, but this process is very different. First of all, you're, you're dealing with 18 year old, uh, uh, young men. Right. So when you're dealing with 18 year olds, right, the expectation, I mean, they are now, and they're going to be drafted. Like yeah. you're, 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 you're taking them. The reason you're meeting with them 
is because they have these attributes. Yeah. You get one crack at them. You don't get to make offers right. to, to 10 of them and, and recruit them, and you want to know who, who understands. And I, I was always more uh, – alarmed isn't the right word, but I'd become more probing if, a, if there was that sense that a player didn't really have an understanding of – of what his game was about, mm-hmm. or, you know, there was a disconnect where, you know, you saw his game one way and he didn't see it another way. And, right. and as that conversation went on, you know, what type of, uh, what type of understanding could be gleaned from it? Like, you know, and, and even from your own perspective, you, you, you're gleaning information. Oh, Hey, I didn't think about that. That's a good point. Right. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you're thinking like, you know, I, I, I'll give you an example. I, I'll give you an example. There was a, there was a player, uh, uh, last year, uh, Ryan Fitzgerald. Mm-hmm. Okay, now he's Tommy Fitzgerald, assistant GM sure. in Pittsburgh, his nephew. Now, Scott, longtime uh, hockey guy, you know, uh, was in, uh, was with the Boston Bruins. Anyway, Scott and his son were, were in an accident. And Scott had a, it was a serious accident. His son, I believe, was 12 or 13 years old, but Ryan's cousin, just a couple of scratches, but Scott, seriously, broken legs and everything. And, you know, it was a lot of concern there for a little while. So this happened, I think it was end of February, beginning of March. Well, now people are going in to watch Ryan. Yeah. And Ryan's a really good player. I've watched Ryan for you. But during this period of time, you oh, yeah, well, Ryan wasn't very good and that wasn't very competitive. And, like, do people have the understanding of what Ryan was going through? Yeah. I mean, this is his uncle. It's his dad's brother. It's his cousin that's in this thing. And it was horrific. Right. Like it was horrific. I mean, Scott's fine and, and rehabbing and everything, right? But understand where it's at. And sometimes you're asking Ryan, hey, listen, during that period of time, like, oh, geez, I, you know, I, I didn't ask him. But you should be saying, you're, you should be aware of that right. and saying to the young man, hey, listen, how hard was that? Well, it was really hard. Like, you know, you know, my dad and whatnot, right? I think there's a real lack of understanding. And so even though you, and, and there was people that didn't know. Right. That, you know, the background on that. Sure. And I think it's it's the NHL team's responsibility to know that, those types of things. But I think when I say about some things you can glean, yeah, that was a period of time, like, you know, I was struggling in, in, in this area for that reason. So it just gives you more understanding of why. But th- that's done over a period of time. I always felt it was better done over a period of time, of narrowed in. That's how I felt. Right. Now, other teams may sit here and tell you, oh, they find it incredibly valuable. I- I'm not going to dismiss Right. Uh, their perspective on value, this is my perspective. Right. So where are teams at right now, generally speaking, with their, with their let's, say that, let's say that every team out there is going to make you know, their short list of where they think the, the guide that will get them through the first five, six rounds. Is that narrowed down, do you think, by this point? Um, we're a post-World uh, Championship, um, under-18 World Championship, and... and I mean, is that have they? If the team knows that they're picking tenth overall, are they are they sort of narrowed in on three, four guys that they think they're going to be? Well, I think that teams now, because you know where you're picking. Yeah. I, I mean, even now, uh, the four conference finalists, they know where they're picking. They're picking twenty seven, twenty eight, or, or sorry, twenty five, no, twenty six, twenty seven, twenty eight, twenty nine. Because New Jersey's picking thirtieth, right. right? So they know now where they're picking. Everybody else falls into order now. So. And, and you know the the after the draft lottery, everybody knew where that's. So you you already know your range. So you know where your range is at. You know what players, you know at that point in time that you might want to see a little bit more of because a lot of them aren't playing anymore. Mm-hmm. That's number one. Number two is is that you go and your teams are now either having completed their scouting meetings in the in the process of of going through it now or or 
you know, getting ready to meet on their scouting meet. So that prior to the combine. And then the combine comes and, the, the, you know, time spent getting information uh, from the uh, physical testing and the medical testing. And then into June, I think, is when you start getting more into the finalization period. Yeah. And it's also the time when managers are talking to one another and right. they're getting an understanding of w- w- what might be available in terms of trade. And, and, and remember, trades emanate in, in, in many different ways. And, and a draft pick may come into it or a prospect based on, well, I, I'd be willing to consider trading this player. Like, go back and think about uh, when Columbus traded Jakub Voracek in the eighth overall pick for Jeff Carter. Right. Like, you know, so that conversation starts to emanate, you know, you know, would you be interested in, you know, we might be thinking about trading Jeff Carter. Uh, well, geez, we'd be interested. Well, you know, what do you, what, what do you be thinking of taking? Well, it would have to include the eighth pick, right. but that's not enough, just the eighth pick, because we're giving up this and money and everything. Right. So that's the next, I think that's the process now going forward. Right. Um. That was Couturier, right? Sean Couturier ended up being the eighth pick, right? Uh, and so, and so, but so for you, then, and and then, I guess finally, that n- nothing's really finalized until June thirtieth or June twenty seventh this that's year. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And it's it it, it and the, you you know we I, I I always say you know mock drafts. It it, it all, all a mock draft is is just code for guesswork. Yeah. Right. And, uh, you know, what what you're trying to do in a mock draft is have some fun with it. Number Mm -hmm. one. Number two is at at least when you mention a name, you you, want to say that there's rationale for it. Mm -hmm. You want to have some rationale for it. Listen, the first thing I know is, 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 is that. There's no way you're going to pick all, all the right. You can't. It's impossible. Yeah. And you're not going to say, well, yeah, I, I, you know, I think they should take this guy, and he's rated 135th by Central Scouting. You're going like, come on, right? Like, the, the, either you know something nobody else knows, right? right? Or you're just, you, you, you know, right. you, you, you are, you, you are grabbing uh, at stars. Right. And I think that you have to be realistic about it, where players fit, and and why a team, and, and that, that's all a mock draft is, but. You're right. It goes, and, and I think a lot, like somebody goes and, you know, you, you think, geez, we have this guy targeted or we have this group. Well, what happens if they're gone? Now now you might be willing to trade your pick, right? right? And you might say, I'll move back, right, if that guy isn't there. So the draft creates it. For every action, there's a reaction. Right. And and I think the draft is a perfect example of that. So while you, you sit here and you look at a mock draft, I mean, yeah. no way. Right. And it's also not close enough either because we don't have a sense yet of, of – I mean, we've got, you know, we talked about this last month about how, you know, on your list, Sam Reinhart uh, has been number one all year and I presume will continue to be number one on your next list. That's a good presumption. In uh, fact, it's locked in stone. <laughs> on Mr. McKenzie's list, uh, he's got Aaron Ekblad as the number one uh, prospect. And of course, it's the Central Scouting guys have Sam Bennett, I believe, as the number one North American prospect. But, but and, and this is always a great time. Yeah. It really is because. You know, June 2nd is when my final Craigslist will come out, and then Bob will come out a, a couple of weeks after that. But but Bob, and, and I say this, I'm looking at the players, and I'm trying to project them as I would if I was an NHL team, where I think they'll be at in three to five years' time. Understand that no two lists are the same. Mm-hmm. The NHL team's lists are the same. We all look at it through different lenses. We all have different biases about things we like, things we don't like. And, and, and it's reflected in mine. 
Doesn't mean I'm right. In fact, I, I, I always say this. I, I know one thing for certain. I'm going to be wrong, mm-hmm. right? Just like everybody else. So, but 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 it's an exercise, and you know, you go and watch it, and 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 I'm looking at it in three to five years time. I'm, that, that's what I'm trying to project out. Whereas Bob, if you want a sense of the temperature of the draft and where players fall and what teams may be doing at any particular point, now maybe not exactly, but within a range, I'm telling you, Bob is outstanding, yeah. and and. Uh, I know as uh, and he's he's refined it uh, to a far greater degree than when I was with an NHL team, but I can tell you this: it was something that we used as a as a benchmark. We used really? it. As, oh yeah, definitely. We yeah. used it as a guideline because, hey, listen, there's there's when you look at when you look at uh, something and you go, geez, there's real accuracy there, and it's been over a period of time, right? You best pay attention. The record has been proven. Yes, it yeah. has. And yeah. so so that's the difference between Bob and I. Right. Sam, number one on your list. Let's just do this quickly. Uh, the hockey sense is what guides it for you with Sam. I, I mean, obviously he has a full package, but yeah. that's that's his. I mean, if you had to sort of nail it down for, for your your favorite part of Sam's game is that is the way he thinks it, the way he sees it, um, the way he yeah, is that yeah, you? Yeah, no, yeah. I, I, it's really hard on a podcast to see me nodding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have but, to speak. Unfortunately, that's the but, one requirement. But, but it's a really uh, <laughs> it, 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 look, to just to our listening audience. It it's a really good, strong nod. It's a it's yeah. a it's an assured nod. Yeah, hands are clasped <laughs> over the knee. Yeah, very confident. Yeah. <laughs> Here's what I'm going to say about it is is that, you know, I'm really looking, you look at the NHL and, you know, the NHL evolves over time and, you know, players and what the requirements may be at any given point in time. I mean, I, I think hockey sense is always going to be a high requirement. Skating is always going to be a high requirement. And, but for me, I'm looking at it and who, who, who are the engines? Who are the engines? Who's got engines that can drive your team? Mm-hmm. Who are those players? You know, call it a defining characteristic, call it a buzzword or whatnot. But it's competitiveness, fire. But for me, who's who? Who are the guys that are engines? Yeah. And so, guys to me that have the the skating, the hockey sense, and then competitiveness, obviously, and other high quality, uh, high end attributes. To me, now the engine. Yeah. Who who are the guys that can be that, that get their motors running. We talked about Jonathan Tace, yeah. right? Like he he's a motor, right? right? Like he's got an engine. Right. I think Sam Reiner has an engine. Yeah. His it, his engine emanates from a brilliant mind, right? But it's no less of an engine right. than somebody else that might bring a physical part of the game or a, a, a scoring element to the game. Like Anthony Mantha, I watch Anthony Mantha, and he's a he's an elite goal scorer. Mm-hmm. But I think his engine is goal scoring. Right. You put him in the right spot. He, he's going to draw. Now, is he a lead engine? Maybe not, but he's got an engine for goal scoring. Right. And so you got to you got to factor that in. And somebody else might have, you know, Rod Langway won two Norris trophies. Right. He had an engine for defending. Right. So you know, it's it, it's not one type of it's that fierce, uh, you know, determination to to make a difference in the game. And Sam does it in a different way than Sam Bennett. Right. Who does it in a different way than Aaron Eckblad? Right. But I don't think it's any less of a, of a driver for those players' success and what ultimately will drive a team. So, I mean, I think Sam. You know, the, the interesting thing is time goes on, and you you, you have the benefit of of a lot of different uh, experiences and various perspectives. You know, I was I was I was watching uh, uh, a, uh, 
something about uh, the Montreal Canadiens, and I ended up watching about Jacques Lemaire. Mm-hmm. And I was watching, and I was reading some stuff about Jacques Lemaire, but I just went and followed it up. And the comment about Jacques Lemaire, he had that understanding of how to get the best out of his teammates, his line mates, and he understood. As a what, player, you're as talking As a player. About. Yeah. They understood what, he, what they needed, and he understood how his skills could best get the best out of them. And I started to think, that's Sam Reinhardt. Yeah. <laughs> that's Sam Reinhardt. Right. That is, to me, it just became the perfect definition. Now, Jacques Lemaire is a Hall of Fame hockey player. Uh-huh. I believe eight Stanley Cups <laughs> as a player. Okay. And so. Just pin that on Sam. Yeah. Well, I'm, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm but, teasing. No, yeah. I know. I know what you're saying. But, but, but I'm just. But, but it was that. Yeah. It, like, you know, there's certain times when a definition yeah. or uh, c- comes, to, comes to, your, to your mind or come, comes to your attention and you go, Okay, that's it. This crystallizes for you. And that's what it was. And that's where it's at for me with Sam. You don't have the temperature maybe that Bob has of the league, but is there a sense, I think when we talked before, you thought that Leon was a candidate, maybe maybe a, a longer shot, but still a candidate to be a first overall pick. Do you think that he's in that group still where we sort of sit today, or is it is it those three guys? Well, you know, I'm, it, it's always hard for me to say. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I mean, Leon Draisaitl is now playing at the World Championships, yeah. and, and and on this day he had three points against the USA. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and and I was asked uh, last week about you know the Memorial Cup. I don't go to the Memorial Cup to evaluate anybody. Right. Like, there's not going to be a big performance that's going to take a player go, wow, he should go uh, way earlier. Or conversely, a player that didn't play so well. I. I, I I just don't believe in that. Right. I believe it's body of work over a long period of time, and I'm doesn't mean that a guy goes there and doesn't play good. Right. But doesn't. But to me, it's it doesn't have any real, if any, significance to me in terms of how I'm projecting a ranking. I've watched these guys for a long time. Right. But I think the World Championships is a little bit of a different animal. Right. Because you're playing against NHL players. Right. And what what are you trying to evaluate players? To be able to do right. it's to play at the NHL level. <clears throat> you rarely get that opportunity to evaluate players against NHL players. So I think for Leon Draisaitl going to the World Championships, there should be an intent eye on him to see how he performs and see and and not so much judging it in the sense of like oh well he played good, but judging it as a, geez those things that I felt about him that I think will make him a good NHL player, mm-hmm. or if you have concerns about him, you know well geez those those concerns were dispelled right. and. These things that I think will make them good were affirmed, right? right? And I think that's a really good benchmark that's that's a rare opportunity. So right. if you ask me about Leon Dreisaitl, you, you know, just the fact that he potentially is, maybe potentially is the wrong word, but in the conversation, yeah. it tells you, I think it tells you a lot yeah. about how good a player he is. Right. Uh, we are between Craigslist. You said June 2nd is the final. Ne- next and final. After the combine, any any one any teases as to movers and shakers on that next list, or I'm not sure if you're settled no, on stuff. No, there's no teasers. <laughs> there's no. Te- you know, but I, I'm I'm going to let that speak for itself when it comes out. I I just feel that, uh, uh, you know, the players are there's still players playing. Mm-hmm. There's players going to the combine, and you know I I, I want to see all these players be successful because I know. I know how much they've sacrificed. I know uh, how dedicated they are. And, you know, at, at a time in their lives when you have to make real sacrifices at 14, 15, 16, 17, I, I have the greatest admiration for them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I have 100 guys on the list. And I really believe that people, I, I hear all the time, oh, it's not a deep draft. Well, I can tell you what, I have a really hard time 
formulating a list of just 100 because I think there's lots of good players in this draft, and I think time will tell you that there's going to be lots of good players. I don't have an easy time narrowing it down to go, well, geez, who should I put in my top 30, right? Like, I'm having a tough time saying he, 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 a player is in or he's not in, right? Like, I really do. And I, when, when I put together, I mean, we're talking about kids that are 17 and 18 years old now. I really believe when I put together a list of eight, 100 guys, or and, and there's more guys beyond that that yeah. don't, that I really think that they all have attributes that can allow them to be NHL players. Now, history tells you that that will not ultimately be the case, but this is about projection. It's about promise, and that's how I feel about them. And it doesn't, and again, people say this, so, well, geez, how can you have that guy 21 well, listen, I'm not smart enough to know that the 21st guy is better than the 22nd guy. Yeah. I try to get him in a group, and I try to, again, rationalize why I have a player in a certain spot. Yeah. That, that's my thinking. That's my assessment. Does it mean that I'm absolutely right? No. But that's where I'm at at that particular point in time. So let me sort of rephrase. And, and... I'm confident in it. Don't get, don't yeah. don't confuse uh, uh, understanding that I won't be right with lack of confidence. Right. Um, you will be wrong, but you will be confidently wrong. Uh, um, <laughs> Thanks for pointing that out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let me rephrase sort of and go back to the to the under-18s. We haven't really talked about yeah. that. We can do it quickly. But was there anyone there that, that um, you know, proved that... Uh, so you're going to try to ask the question in a different way. That's yeah. what makes you, you know, so sharp and, yeah. uh, you know... Hard-hitting uh, journalism is what you get from me. <laughs> <laughs> you're sharp. You're a sharp guy. Uh, yeah, there, I mean, you go to that tournament, I think you always have to keep in mind, too, what, what, what that tournament is. I mean, it's players that are put together, that haven't played together. I mean, for, for, for Team, Team Canada. Canada, really comes to mind. And, you know, you, you look at that. And, yes, you go there, but, again, I'm going to say this. And, and I think that the under-18 is a good evaluation tournament. Don't get me wrong. It's not like the Memorial Cup for me. But I think that when you go and you go to that tournament, it, it, it's more about looking at players and going, geez, he, he, he's really mastering this, right? I think back to Samuel Moran last year. Mm-hmm. Okay, And I, I saw Samuel Moran for the first time at the Canada Games in February of 2011. It's the first time I saw Samuel Moran. Donnell Odette, who coached that team in Quebec, Telling you, so I think he, he, and now remember, Drouin was on that team, Duclair was on that team, Frederick Gauthier was on that team. I mean, there was a, there was a pretty good group of players on that team, as, as I just pointed out. And, and I met, Donnell said to me, he goes, he goes, you know, keep an eye on this Moran kid. He says, I, he's raw. He's got, he, he says, I think he's got a lot of potential. He, Donnell didn't make any of these grand pronouncements right. that, oh, I think he's the best kid. He just said, keep an eye on him. I think there's a lot there. Right. So now, you know, you watch him at, at there. You watch him at sixteen. Then you're you're watching him again at seventeen. Now, now you're, you 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 got two years. You're watching him, and you're watching him, and you're going, wow, like okay, yeah, he's mastering this. He's got this. He's got that. I think you and I. I don't think you and I were together in Halifax at the prospects game. Yeah. And I think you know exactly what I said to you about leaving the prospects game. It's to me the prospects game is never about he played good, he played bad. Oh boy, he goes high, he goes low. It's about I need to go watch that guy a little bit more. Yeah, and yeah. you know, I told you, Samuel Moran was one of those guys. Yeah. That, that that to me, he had t- taken himself and just said, pay attention to me. Yes. I, I say this to young players all the time, and I say it to the parents, I say it to agents. You just play. You will find the scout's eyes. Yes. Don't worry about that. The scout's eyes are open. Right. You play. 
you will find their eyes. Trust me. And I, I think that's true of, of, of all players. So Samuel Moran now plays. You, I, yeah, I, go, I watch him. I watch him in the playoffs. And then he goes over to the under-18. And what the under-18 did was just say, yeah. Confirmed. <laughs> and that's there it is right there. Yeah. It's a confirmation. And, and sometimes it comes sooner. Sometimes it comes later for some players. Yeah. I, I've told the story many times about Jerome McGinley. We drafted Jerome McGinley 11th overall in 1995. It was a lockout year. And, you know, there was a lot of different uh, uh, approaches to scouting that year by the various teams. But it took us right to the end to really get to that confirmation that he was a guy. It, it took us that long. It, it was one of those situations where we, we needed more. And, and we were all in there. We were in there together. We were in there watching. Like, it, like to me, Jerome McGinley, in, in, in my years of scouting, okay, was, was the greatest scouting team effort that I've ever been part of. How so? Because everybody was involved in it. Everybody, you know, we, 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 we worked it. We spent time discussing what we liked, what, what, what we thought uh, might be some uh, concerns, right, what we thought could be improved. And he, he wasn't, I mean, Jerome McGinley is a Hall of Fame player. He's a great player. But he wasn't that at that age. He, he, he wasn't as obvious in, in my view or in our view. But we really we liked him, and but there wasn't this kind of he he never hit you over the head right. <laughs> like you know with this okay that's it, that's the way it is, and I, I'm going to tell you like I probably saw Jerome play 25 times that year, yeah. and our staff spent so much time in there, right through to the Memorial Cup. Like so, maybe maybe I shouldn't say that about the Memorial Cup. Here <laughs> I am saying that. Yeah. Well, you know, when I think back to it, right? He he he. But but we but weren't going. Been, yeah. But we weren't going in. We were going in there to kind of try to get further confirmation. Right. We were trying to get to that point, and we did. But honestly, greatest scouting team effort I've ever been part of. Right. And and I mean, all hands on deck. And we're to the point where okay, yeah, that's 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 our guy, and and or when, that's a guy that we I shouldn't say that's right. our guy because you don't win eleven, but we we can't like boom he, on the he short was, list, yeah, yeah, definitely. And and do you, do you remember it was it was I mean obviously it wasn't one thing, but was it was it was everybody on board once that decision was made? Yeah, but it, but it took a long time right. to get there. Yes. Really, okay. that, that's what I, that's why it was the greatest to me scouting team effort I've ever been part of. Yeah, because it really did it. Re, it required. Okay, okay. Here's what so and so said. I got to watch for that, yeah. and I can't take what I think, you know, and and vice versa. And I think everybody it, it allowed us all to open up our minds to one another's thoughts, mm-hmm. right? And then take those thoughts back and coalesce them right. into into uh, into a list, into a into uh, an assessment that we said shortlist. Yes. What do you mean that there were lots of different approaches to the draft that year? Was it did... well? No, in terms of how they some teams stopped scouting, oh, like they only really? did they only did regional scouting. Uh, well, they, they always, because there was no NHL. It was the first time there was a lockout, uh-huh. so teams were concerned about like spending money. Oh, it was just it came down to finance. Well, well yeah. So, yeah. so, so and and the approaches. So some so now all of a sudden the, the lockout ends and some people were jumping in. To, to try to watch all the players, Catch right? Yeah. And we weren't one of them. I mean, Norm Green, our owner, he said, no, this is really important. Jim Lights was our president. He said, no, we got to do this. And we really, I mean, we had to be uh, very financially prudent, and we were. But at the same time, you know, we really, uh, we were full on that year in terms of scouting. Some other teams weren't. And I, I would say that, you know, when you're, when, when you're trying to find out a lot about players in a short period of time. Yeah. You know, now you're now you're susceptible a little bit to, well, we played good. 
Right. You know, we because we had we were we were afforded that opportunity because we had spent the full year scouting, yeah. and we'd watched him the year before because he'd been in the Memorial Cup the year before, and seen him, and 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 we always felt assessing a sixteen-year-old player was important, yes. not just saying oh he looks good. We assessed them, right? But we we were afforded that opportunity to get to that point about okay we because we knowing the other players we could zero in on guys we weren't so sure about, right. and when I say not so sure about that we just needed to get more. Uh, affirmation on them. Well, I think that's going to do it for this episode of the Draft Center podcast. That was a great one. It is. Uh, I'm glad that uh, another great one. I'm, I should I'm say. glad I'm not Nicholas Shalmerson because he yeah. couldn't talk for two weeks. He, he's been given permission to talk now. So, but uh, uh, you know, if if that ever happened to me, I think there'd be a lot of people happy. <laughs> me, not one of them. <laughs> Uh, this is the Draft Center Podcast. I have no idea what episode it is, but uh, anyway, thanks for, for listening and paying attention all this way through. We appreciate it. For Craig Button, my name is Matt Cade, and hopefully we'll do this again once more before the draft. Oh, we are going to do it one more time. We will definitely, definitely do oh, this one more oh, yeah, time we're gonna, the and, uh, and we talked about uh, uh, going across the country with some, uh, with some guests that can give us some insight into uh, the respective uh, leagues in the Canadian Can- Hockey League and, and maybe even a little bit of perspective on Sweden has some really good players this year. And uh, uh, I've been working on uh, a couple of people that I think could give us some really good insight on that. So leading into the draft, we'll, uh, we'll, that's what you can expect on the next podcast. Perfect. Matt Cade, Craig Button, Draft Center Podcast. Come on and